You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Voice of Islam. You are listening to another episode of Breakfast Show, broadcasting from the biggest mosque of UK, from the Battle of Two Mosques. And dear listeners, um, I wish you, I mean, this is one thing I always wish every listener a pleasant break uh, morning um what happened to me right in the morning is that i planned to offer my morning prayer here in the battle for two mosque and uh, suddenly my car broke down so i had to um take the underground i missed the prayer though i offered the prayer in the underground so but you can maybe you can like feel it or you can hear it all that i am still out of breath so do apologize me for that. But I'm also very glad and grateful that I somehow made it on time. Um, this, is, uh, this is like uh, my morning, which I had. It's not, uh, it's not the usual morning I uh, have. Um, but as I said, I hope you had a pleasant morning. Um, or I hope that you will have a pleasant morning today. Um, listeners, um while I was walking um, uh, towards the underground station, I could see, like, I could feel the rain. Uh, but I could see, feel uh, cold wind as well. Uh, this reminded me that we are in October. I'm saying that because you know, just a few days ago, we had sunny days and we enjoyed the days. Like, and I was so surprised to have these days in the month of October as well. But now I see the usual uh, October days. Yesterday it was raining, and today it said it will rain as well. Um, so, dear listeners, do me a favor, uh, dress accordingly. Um, let's put it in this way that uh, the cold days have started now. And uh, um, I, we hope that everyone stays healthy as well. Talking about, yeah, this is, dear listeners, talking about the month of October, I mean, this reminds me, as I just mentioned, about cold weather, which normally starts uh, during this month. Um, but also we have um the halloween season uh and uh, you know there are so many things attached with halloween um for example uh in cinema i believe they will start showing those scary movies or on the te- te- television as well and um, to be honest i'm not a fan of that apart from that um people will dress up um like they will start dress in, uh, dress up in a scary way i mean they will dress scary dresses they will be dressed as witches ghosts um there will be a lot of pumpkins around the houses which are sometimes scary as well sweets there will be a lot of sweets i know sweets are not scary well it depends on the amount you have and then we have some other creatures as well which are always been attached with halloween um which are black cats yes black cats and uh, um i don't know um i mean there's this myth this superstitious uh, and this like the thing about cats that they bring bad luck bad luck to people uh, and i mean um dear listeners black cats get a bad reputation especially during the halloween season because i said as i said they are associated with all these gay things like witches etc and the listeners i know i know it sounds like spooky fun but the reputation as an omen or bad luck has real consequences now experts say black cats are less likely to be adopted and some people even harm them 
Now, National Black Cat Day aims to eliminate the stigma by celebrating black cats for the cute, lovable creature they are. And dear listeners, I know this voice of Islam and you might think, why I'm talking about black cats? Well, the reason is that our first segment will be about the Black Cats Awareness Month, which is October. And we will also talk about these very lovely creature. And we will talk about um, the summit teaching on animal rights and you listen therefore we have um, guests we will have Jane Ellish who will explain us how we can treat uh, pets especially cats and uh, also we will have someone from the cats protection and apart from that in this segment we will also talk about um, Halloween and why Islam forbids to celebrate Halloween in particular, we will talk about a particular um, about certain um, characteristic, noble characteristic of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which basically explains us why we shouldn't celebrate um, Halloween. And yes, um, dear listeners, talking about Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and of course about his noble characters, because he had a lot. Um, if you study his life, uh, there are many, many books which you can find on alislam.org about the life of Tolly Prophet peace be upon him, you'll see that his life uh, and the way he lived his life was very humble, very simple, and uh, he had so many characteristics which we can adopt and which we can follow as well. And if you have one characteristic in your mind and you want to share it, you can do so anytime. You can be a part of the show. You can call in. The number is 0208-687-7878. Or you can go on our social at Voice of Islam. You can let me know what is the most that what what do you like like what is the private character of the holy prophet peace be upon him um which you want to share which you think everyone should know the number is 0286877878 or you can go on our social at voice of islam uk and then dear listeners after the eight o'clock news in the second segment uh, we will carry on with Islam and uh, this time we will focus more on Islam especially on Islam's contribution to the evolution of the field of astronomy and in this segment dear listeners um, especially uh, we will also talk about the golden age of Islam uh, we will also uh, talk about um, scholars uh, who have con- Islamic scholars who have contributed in the field of astronomy and dear listeners, we have also a uh, uh, guest for that segment. We will have uh, an astrophotographer. Uh, we will have Dr. Muhammad Iqbal. And uh, we will have also from someone from the Royal Astronomical Society. So, dear listeners, um, as you can see, uh, slowly, slowly, uh, I um, uh, um, have managed my um, bre- uh, breath as well. Uh, I know it's still a bit difficult, you might can hear it because I'm still a bit out of breath. I'm trying to manage it. And the listeners, uh, while I just um, introduced the segment, I'm going to make sure that you also enjoy the show. Um, the time right now is 10 past 7. Uh, and before we go to our first segment, um, just have a look uh, uh, on the papers. Um, if you open the papers, uh, the first thing, mainly the papers are focusing on... Um, the unfortunately war which we see in uh, the Middle East uh, between uh, the government of Israel and Gaza um, and uh, um, the US government has said to Israel which is uh, reported in the Daily Telegraph that they want Israel 
to uphold laws of wars at Gaza face onslaught. Um, and uh, the listeners, um, of course, we from the Voice of Islam Radio, we condemn that. We condemn every atrocity. We mean Islam is a religion who teaches peace and Islam says that whoever takes the life of one single being, it is like he has taken the life of the whole mankind. So um, every loss of life is unfortunately and uh, as I said we condemn that um, we we pray for peace this is what we want we pray for peace and uh, I think um, this is what we need as well and uh, the listeners um, the f- uh, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community he has emphasized on that point many many times that to maintain peace or to achieve peace the most important thing is that we realize the creator uh, because uh, if we realize God as our creator, if we have that connection with God, if we have that love for God, of course we will start loving his creation as well. And I think this is the best way uh, to maintain peace as well. Um, furthermore, dear listeners, the Times report that convicted criminals could avoid jail from next week as prisons are full. The paper says Lord Edis, the senior president judge in England and Wales, has said that from Monday the sentencing of criminals who are currently on bail should be delayed. Now, an anonymous senior Crown Court judge is quoted as saying that they have been told it is a short-term measure, but that nobody seems certain what that means. Now, dear listeners, the Daily Express reports that the plans have sparked fury among some campaigns groups. Sources at the Ministry of Justice have told the Daily Telegraph that no final decisions on measures have been made. The Daily Mail and the Guardian both highlighted the huge rise in demand for almonds in England. According to figures obtained by Greenpeace, through freedom of information requests, the waiting list is at a 12-year high. The local authority with the longest waiting list is Bristol. So this is, uh, again, main of uh, the papers uh, are reporting about um, the war which is happening in the Middle East um, between um, the government of Israel and the Gaza. Uh, again, um, we condemn all of kinds of um, terrorist, terrorist attacks and attacks on civilians, innocent civilians. Um, our prayer goes out for those who are going through these difficult times. Um, dear listeners, uh, I've been told uh, I'm actually not a huge cricket fan, um, and don't mind me saying about I, uh, uh, I was just reminded that the World Cup has started, and I'm not following the World Cup either. But someone told me, and I should remind that uh, his name is Gadir. He might be listening to the show as well. He told me that if you ha- if you're sitting next time on the Voice of Sun Radio, remind them on. Uh, th- that as well because the reason is that looking after your health is very important as well and sp- doing so you will focusing on doing more sports as well but watching sports should also remind us that we should do sport as well that we should uh, look after our body as well um, and uh, yes those who are contributing on the Cricket World Cup good luck uh, may the best one win um, dear listeners uh, we go now for a short break, and after the short break, we will go straight to our first segment. I'll just go and grab a glass of water uh, and uh, t- try to take um, take some air as well. Uh, do me a favor, uh, stay tuned with the voices of some radio, and as I said, after a short break, I will be back. Ooh. 
Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. Now, you can might heard that I'm sounding more relaxed now. Uh, this is because I was able to t- catch a breath as well. Um, in the morning, and this is uh, I just mentioned before, I had to take the underground because my car just broke down, and I had to rush towards the studio as well, and at ta- start uh, the show on time as well, which uh, was the reason I was a bit struggling, not struggling, but um, I was ca- um, having some problem in the beginning. Um, the listeners, but now I'm relaxed. Uh, I had my water. I had um, I'm, uh, my break as well, um, and now the listeners. Um, I just want to share a funny story. This is what I've heard many, many times uh, when I was young, and even though um, I still have heard it many, many times, that if if a black cat crosses your path, then you should avoid taking that path. Now, it is also believed that you should let somebody else pass before you do, because in this way you can keep bad luck at bay and the first person will have it on them. So... This is these superstitions which you hear about black black cats and uh, um also it is said that if you only if you see a black cat um you, you will have bad days for at least for a week uh etc and uh, now this is um uh, bringing a bad reputation to black cats as well a lot of people then do avoid adopting um black cats as well um and the month of October, dear listeners, is Black Cats Awareness Month, and uh, we will talk about that as well. Um, because uh, just as I mentioned, black cats are unfortunately treated differently to the color of their fur and the superstition surrounding them. And uh, um, the Black Cats Awareness Month uh, is a dedicated month. Uh, which is basically it was, it was established f- uh, for the obje- objective of shining a spotlight on that the unique challenges the black cats encounter, and uh, to bring a deeper understanding and appreciation f- uh, f- for these little creatures. And the listeners, um, now this awareness month strives to go beyond the superficial to enhance the reputation of black cats allowing them to shed the unwarranted stigma that has surrounded them for generations. Now, a quickly crucial is, uh, is its mission to safeguard their well-being, ensuring that black cats receive the same love, care and protection as, uh, as, the, uh, as the other um, counterparts. Now, the genesis of National Black Cat Awareness Month can be traced back to the enduring superstitions and folklore that have historically linked black cats with bad luck, now particularly during the bewitching season of Halloween. And listen, we will talk about Halloween as well. Um, now, it is during the Halloween time that these superstitions trend, tend to reach the zenith. Now, with black cats often bearing the brunt of these baseless beliefs, therefore, this desi- designated month serves as an indispensable platform for education, with black cats often bearing the brunt of these baseless beliefs. Now, 
Um, as I said, uh, this monsters as a platform for education, myth busting, and advocacy, inspiring individuals to recognize that black cats are no different from any other cats in the need for companionship, safe homes, and the joy of being cherished. Uh, for all you know, you listen. I don't know how you feel, but if I look uh, like if, if I have to choose between all those cats, I think black cats are those I would likely have because. Um, they are like kind of uh, cute as well, and uh, um, it is. Uh, I don't know. I I feel like I want to have them more with uh, with me than other cats, I, and this is what I feel. Um, and I'm still shocked that we live in a like in an advanced age now, and still in this advanced age we have the superstitions about black cat. Um, uh, and. Uh, as I said, it sounds like a spooky fun, but people are treating black cats then differently as well. Um, and um, there are many, many reasons basically why black cats are adopted than other, uh, less are adopted less than other cats. Um, uh, the reason is that um, it is like because deeply rooted in the so so society that this belief and perception that if you see a black cat it will bring bad luck to you or if you cross or if a black cat cross your path you will have seven days bad luck etc now at the heart of the issue lies deeply entrenched superstition that associate black cats with bad luck now this superstition has a long history now dating back centuries and has been uh, goes, uh, I mean, you can find it in folklore, literature, movies, and popular culture as well. Now, consequently, when prospective adopters encounter black cats, especially in, during the month of October or, let's say, during the Halloween season, now, these superstitions often, um, often are mentioned more often and cast, uh, like bring, like again, the bad reputation and casting an unwanted shadow over these Cats. Now, this unfounded belief can create an aura of um, uh, can basically um, causing potential adopters to hesitate in choosing black cats over their more colorful counterparts. Now, another another con uh, contributing factor is the perceived difficulties in photographing black cats. The challenge of capturing their features and expression in photographs may lead to fewer online shares and subsequently fewer potential adopters coming forward. Now, this issue can be compounded by well intention, but inaccurate representation of black cats in media and online spaces. Now, um, this is so strange. Like, um, social media has basically uh, telling us how to live our lives, and if you can't make a beautiful picture with a black cat and stay away from it, this is very um, strange. You know, recently, dear listeners, just a week ago, uh, I don't know the the, the name of the, the account, but this was on Instagram. I, I saw uh, a lady who was looking after a panda, a black panda. Uh, she found it when uh, that plan when the black panda was a baby, and uh, she treated him very well, and she had made a lot of beautiful pictures of that black panda as well. So if you are... Um, I I don't know the name of um that account, but I, f I think if you go uh, type it on Google, Black Panda account, on Instagram, maybe you file find it, and you will see that how beautiful the p these pictures actually are, and this shows that you can take beautiful pictures with black cats as well. Um. Uh, 
I mean, uh, because only because of these things, we shouldn't uh, avoid adopting black cats. Uh, I think this is wrong, and this should be changed. Um, in terms, you know, the, the listeners, um, the reason uh, uh, I'm saying that is because l uh, long ago, not long ago, it's basically before uh, COVID. So it's been a yeah, it's basically is uh, no, it's been years. Um, when we lived up the north northwest, um, a cat would uh, usually come to our garden, and uh, it will like uh, because of the heat would find shelter in in the shadow as well and would lie down and we wouldn't mind. Um, suddenly, you know, um, one day we just thought, why not bringing out some milk for the black cat? Um, because I mean, this is what they need. Like, give them some milk, um, treat it well. This is what we thought, and we put out milk for the black cat, and the black cat suddenly would come and would drink that milk as well. And we we, we were a bit scared because we thought, okay, uh, I don't know if this milk would be fine or not. Um, but anyhow, uh, that black cat would come then more usual and would drink more of that milk and uh, when we would go to uh, like to stores and we would, when we would buy milk we would realize that we have to buy milk for one person more and this is like we realize that we kind of treating that black cat or uh, we're looking after that black cat as well um, which made us happy basically to be honest um, and we would like put out the milk and we would watch the cat drinking the milk with his tongue as well, uh, and and we would be like as I said, it was a good picture. Um, and uh, as I said, uh, uh, do you know that someone uh, that we can treat someone in a very good way would make us happy as well? Suddenly, um, um, I thought, why not adopting that black cat? I uh, I hesitated in the beginning. Um, I didn't know how to treat a black cat. To be honest, um, I was a bit scared as well. Um, do you listen, I do have something, they thought, uh, why not um, adopting some animals like fishes, dogs, birds, like pigeon, or a black cat, especially a black cat, because as I said, we, we have a story with a black cat uh, when we lived up north. Um, I hesitated. And uh, dear listeners, um, I don't know how you feel, um, if, uh, but if... This is the reason why we have started the segment today as well. That if you, if you in order to if you want to improve the link between cats, um, then uh, you need someone who can explain it to you. And dear listeners, we right now we have someone with us. Her name is Jane Ehrlich, a dedicated cat behaviorist with ten years of expertise since 2010. So more than ten years, um, specialized in interpreting feeling behavior her strategy combines tactics supported by research with empathy to assure the welfare of all parties the listeners jane is here now to help us to establish a, a harmonious existence for uh, us with uh, the feeling partner now uh, prioritizing uh, the, your cat's pleasure whether you are dealing with behaviors difficulties or want to improve your connections with your cat and Therefore, we have Jen Ellish now with us. Jen Ellish, um, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Hi there. Um, so I'm Elle um, from Cat Protection. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you, I was so sorry for that. Um, I thought, uh, okay, sorry, dear listeners, I'm very sorry for that. It's my fault. 
it is L from I just said before we will have someone from the cat protection which is L. Um, L, um, you are a registered uh, veterinary, veterinary nurse and works at uh, you work at the regional behavior office for London at the South East at Cats Protection, I think, which is the leading cat welfare charity in the UK. Am I right? Yes, correct. Yes, yes, absolutely. And how many cats do you like help over the year? So we help um, over 140,000 um, cats throughout the year. So um, huge numbers of cats come through, and, and a lot of those are black cats. Amazing. And um, I, I see that you have done your MSc in human animal interactions and well being as well. Uh, And this, uh, like, and, and, and this is very interesting. And you are very interested in the cat-human bond. Um, if you go back to history, where does does this bond start? And how? I mean, people often say that dog is the human's best friend, but I've seen that we have a very close bond to cats as well. What would you think? Do we have a better bond with uh, dogs or with cats? I obviously am quite biased, so I would say cats. Um, but obviously cats and dogs are very different. Um, they're they're diff completely different species and they are um, very different in their personalities as well. So um, whereas dogs are a social species um, by nature, so very much like humans, um, they will want that social interaction. Cats aren't um, obliquely um, social creatures, so they don't necessarily need that social interaction with us as humans. So that's why I think sometimes people can say they've got more of a bond or, as the phrase goes, dog's best friend. Um, but cats can create lovely bonds mm. with their um, with their owners, and, and they do. Um, and we see that, you know, throughout cats' protection when, when they're going out to be adopted. And, um, um, Ali, um, I've, like, we have heard many, many times about the superstition about black cats, um, that uh, they somehow bring bad luck um, like uh, how can we uh, in the community raise the awareness about the importance of black cats welfare during especially during October absolutely yes yeah. so October is black cat awareness month um, and it's worth probably saying that our rehoming of black cats um, has actually improved in the last sort of 10 to 15 years so we held our first black cat awareness day in 2011 And back then, um, there was definitely a, com you know, a, a comparison between, a, a big difference between black cats' um, time taken to be rehomed to cats of, you know, other colours, so tabby cats or, or tortoiseshell cats. Um, but today, thankfully, um, black cats take on average about 16 days to find a home compared to other coloured cats, which take 15 days to find a new home. So there's really no comparison now, which is really, really good. Um, and that's what we like to see because black cats are, are fantastic. They're just as great as, as any other colored cat. Um, and in terms of people wanting to help raise awareness in the UK, there's lots of things they can do. So obviously, firstly, they can adopt a black cat um, from one of our many um, cats protection branches and centers um, across the UK. Um, They can also share videos or photos of their black cats on social media mm. to raise the profile of them um, or promote the lucky superstitions that cats have. So we often think of them as being, like you said, having bad luck. But 
owning a cat, for instance, in Asia is considered lucky. Um, and in Scotland, if a black cat does appear on your doorstep, it's seen as a sign of um, prosperity. So there are some lucky superstitions as well in there. Oh, is it? Because, uh, don't mind me, like I've only heard about the bad luck, which I don't believe. Yes. <laughs> but uh, can you can share some of the good uh, things as well about the good superstition we have about black cats? You just mentioned one of uh, Nor- uh, in Scotland when they are in front of your uh, uh, doorstep, they bring good luck. But are there any more which we should know? So, yeah, so the one in Asia as well. So owning a black cat in Asia is seen as a, as a, a considered lucky. Some people believe that if um, a black cat passes um, past your door, then, yes, it's seen as a, a good luck sign. Others do think it's bad luck. But, yeah, there's there's, there's various superstitions out there. I think, but the, still, we have in society this misconception. And uh, to ensure the safety for black cat, what can we do um, to help people overcoming the stereotypes black cats are facing? Yeah, of course. So we did some research um, which helped to dispel the myths um, about superstition um, and, and when it comes to sort of adopting black cats. So, and it's definitely more that there is a subconscious sort of color preference, and people prefer those lovely tabby colours and, and tortoiseshell colours that we see in cats. Um, and 45% of the cats that we have at Cats Protection will be either black or black or white. So they do, they are sort of overrepresented um, in the cat world and overrepresented in Cats Protection. So when you do come into one of our centres, you will often see an array of black and black and white cats. So naturally people's eyes are drawn to those colourful cats um, as opposed to the to the black cats. Um, the research that we did though in 2006, uh, 2016, sorry, um, we asked them to look at a black cat, a tabby cat and a ginger cat, um, all in sort of neutral poses and asked them to assess their personality. And interestingly, the black cat was unfortunately viewed as less favorably um and it was seen as less playful less friendly less vocal Mm -hmm. um than the tabby or ginger cat which um at the time obviously was finding homes much faster so there's definitely a sort of subconscious color preference playing a part in people's um perceptions about cats personalities and, and seeing them as you know less favorable and um um uh, Ali, um, you know, um, in, in in Islam, uh, it is thought that if you treat an animal in a very bad way, there will be huge consequences in the Day of Judgment. Uh, like there will be punishment for that as well. Now, um, three years ago, I've seen a video where I don't want to mention the name of that football player. He and his brother, they were slapping, kicking their cats around. And I thought, like after seeing this video, there should be a harsh penalty for these two brothers as well. But this wasn't the, uh, the case. Do you think someone who's treating animals, and especially cats, in a wrong way, like which I just mentioned, do you think there should be harsh penalties for these people as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's something that that you know we are as a as a um, as a charity are sort of you know pushing with the government that there should be you know. Um, stricter penalties around um, any sort of animal abuse, whether that be a cat or a dog. So certainly there, there needs to be 
consequences um, when it comes to, you know, harming a... They are sentient beings and they can feel pain. So, um, and, you know, they have feelings. So mm. it's really important mm. that, you know, that's reflected in, in any penalties or, or um, you know, punishment that, that, that people... I think the last yeah. the last point you mentioned feeling. This is why most people basically just forgot that animals have feeling as well, and we should, shouldn't forget that. Um, Ellie, just one thing. Um, can you share more about you stories you had about you seen in previous Black Month awareness campaigns you had, uh, where people had uh, people had a, um, left a good uh, reputation as well, and uh, which had basically a significant impact for black cats as well? Absolutely. So every year from sort of 2011 to 2018, we held a Black Cat Day, um, which was held on our main social media channels, um, which was sort of getting cat lovers uh, or black cat lovers all together to sort of celebrate their love of black cats with us. We now obviously have the Black Cat um, Awareness Month, which is great because it's a whole month um, sort of to celebrate a wonderful black cat that may, may be overlooked. So one year we produced um, a colour palette on our social media sites that had lots of different shades of black because we often think of, of black as just one colour, but we did it of lots of different shades of black. And we used the hashtag 50 Shades of Black Cat. Um, and the palette included colours like Night Rider Black, Sirius Black, Onyx Black. Um, and it really highlighted um, sort of the subtle but very important colour differences between the various black cats. Um, and we had lots of engagement for this as well. And lots of cat lovers posted um, beautiful pictures of their cats on our social media channels um, and told us which shade of black that they like. So that was really, you know, a really fun and engaging thing that we did. So we would urge you to sh obviously share your black cat pictures and sort of tag us in them um, as well. And, and obviously, if you are looking for any sort of cat advice, um, then please do obviously go to the website, which is cats.org.uk as well. I've been like uh, on social media now. Uh, I've typed in um, uh, 50 shades of black cats and I've seen the pictures and the videos are actually very adorable, very beautiful. <laughs> Lovely, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are. I think, uh, I mean, people who have uh, superstitions or who, who believe on the superstitions things, they should go and they should, uh, check out your um, social media um, platform. Uh, for, uh, if you, for, for, for listeners, if you can uh, just tell us again um, the social media account you have. So yes, so it's um, all our social medias is at Cats Protection. So if you type in Cats Protection to, um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, and we are obviously we've got our website as well, which is cats.org.uk as well. So please do, yeah, absolutely check us out and, and tag us into your lovely um, black cat pictures. No, we will. Um Ali, um, first of all, sorry again. Um, I um, um, was told that uh, you will come after the um, eight o'clock news. You came earlier today. I uh, appreciate that as well. And um, thank you f for joining and uh, amazing what you're doing uh, for, for little creatures. I wish you all the best for the future. And I'll wish all the best for our black cats as well, especially during this month. Um, uh, and thank you for joining the Breakfast Show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. The listeners, um, this was Ellie from Cats Protection and uh, amazing what she just shared. And uh, you should check out um, uh, 
the social media uh, side, cats, cats protection, which you can find on Instagram, Facebook as well. And uh, I'm I'm just being on the um, page, and you can see very adorable and very beautiful cats uh, with the owners as well. Um, I just see one owner uh, holding a black cat with his son, with his little baby, and it's amazing. Um, so you can have. You can basically have a family with a black cat as well. So you shouldn't hesitate and you shouldn't believe on those superstitious things. Uh, and I'm very happy to know, uh, Ali just mentioned that as well, that there are like stories where basically black cats are believed to bring good, good luck as well. And we should focus on that thing as well. And yes, you can make beautiful pictures as well on the night. If you think you can't make beautiful pictures with black cats, then you should check out... Uh, the um, social media accounts of Cats Protections or... Just type in 50 shades of black cats and you will find beautiful pictures of these little creatures. So this was Ellie from Cats Protection. And dear listeners, um, we will carry on now. We will talk about, uh, we will talk about black cats. But um, before we do so, uh, cats, they do have um, like an insignificant uh, mentioning in the Islamic uh, teachings. And uh, if you go on the Hadith, which are the sayings of the Holy Prophet, you will find the name Abu Huraira, which was a companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And that companion, Abu Huraira, uh, he was known to have a lot of cats. And Abu Huraira means basically the father of cats. He would love cats and he would admire them as well. He would play with them as well. And, you know, in these days, I mean... Uh, this shows that Islam basically emphasizes that you should look after Allah's creation as well. I know that Allah has, like, Islam is a religion which has sent down a teaching. Now, the teaching is are for the human beings because only human beings can understand the teachings of Allah. But in the Holy Quran, and now we come to one character, a noble character of the Holy Prophet, he is um, called as Rahmatul Alameen. Uh, which is meant uh, the mercy for everything, for the whole mankind, for for the whole world, and so his teachings basically are also for animals in this sense that he shows mercy towards them, and he has thought of that. And just one, I just gave you one example of uh, one of his companions, Abu Huraira, who 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 was uh, like as I said, he he loved cats a lot, and therefore his um his name uh. They used to call him um, Abu Huraira. Um, dear listeners, um, we will come to that point as uh, as well. Uh, but for now, we will go for a short break. Do me a favor, um, stay tuned with the voice on radio. If, we, if you want to know more about the Black Cat Awareness Month, about Halloween, and what Islam says on treating about uh, uh, about animal rights. So do me a favor, stay tuned with the, with the voice of Islam radio. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. Um, I was just going for a short break. Um, we were talking about black cats and uh, we had um, Ali from Cats Protection as well. And... Uh, 
the listeners, um, I'll just mention before I went to uh, for the, when, I, when I went to uh, do the short break that a companion of Tolly Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, Abu Huraira, his actual name was Abdurrahman, but he was Abu Huraira because he was very close or he, he was very cool with cats, basically. That's the reason he loved cats and he had a lot of cats with him and he would play with them and um, he would treat them in a very good way as well. Uh, and he basically, the listeners, um. Now, according to Islam, we human beings are allowed to use animals, to have animals, to have pets, but only if the rights of the animals are respected. Now, the owner of an animal must do everything to benefit the animal. Now, if the owner fails to perform the duties for the animal, uh, the animal should go, uh, should be given to someone else then. Um, and the Holy Prophet ﷺ has said that um, we will be asked if we harm or disable or injure uh, an animal as well. Um, uh, for example, um, he gave an example of an ant. If we are snatching away a leaf from an ant, then we will be asked for that as well. Uh, so you see that animal rights are mentioned in the Holy Quran as well, and uh, we are told to follow them and to listen to them as well. Um, there's one thing of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, where he said that there is no man who kills a sparrow or anything smaller without its deserving it. God will question him about it on the day of judgment. And whoever is kind to the creatures of God is kind to himself. And uh, there's a very famous uh, incident uh, which I have heard many, many times. My parents told me that story when I was small. Um, it's about a person. Now, that person was very thirsty. And uh, um, suddenly he, he found water and he would... He was just about to drink from the, wa from the water and then suddenly he saw a dog and the dog was licking uh, the earth the floor uh, because the dog itself was very thirsty as well now the water was very less and it was only there for one person but the person the man what he did is he took out his socks he would in his socks he would fill the water and he would give it to the dog and for that kind for that kindness for that act of kindness, Allah Ta'ala has said that paradise is for him uh, secure, that he will go surely to paradise for that act he has done toward that dog. So you can see that Islam is basically teaching us and it's looking, um, telling us, explaining us that we should look after animals as well. As I said, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is Rahmatul Alameen, mercy for all for everyone and this is one noble character of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Dear listeners, if you have more noble character in your mind and if you want to share it, you can do so anytime. The number is 0208-687-7878 or you can uh, go on our socials at Voice of Islam UK. Let me know your answer. I will be happy. And I think th this is something we should share with everyone as well. Everyone should know about the noble character of the Holy Prophet. Peace be upon him. Now, um, as I said, there, uh, there are many, many uh, sayings of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu which are emphasizing about the rights of animals and the importance of treating them well. Now, um, the, listeners, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, now he, he emphasized or he also showed uh, by demonstrating affection and care towards animals, uh, including cats, underscoring the entitlement to human treatment. Now, during the time of the Holy Prophet, uh, pets were not uncommon. I uh, just gave you one example of Abu Huraira. 
uh, one of uh, a famous companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And he, the Holy Prophet himself showed kindness and affection towards them. Now, there are several in uh, in instances mentioned in the sayings of the Holy Prophet that highlight the Prophet's interaction with animals. Now, for example, uh, dear listeners, um, it is narrated that he had uh, fondness for cats and treated them with care and respect. Now, there are also accounts of being advising against mistreating animals, which I just mentioned before as well, that if you can't treat an animal well, then you should uh, have a, a, a pet. You shouldn't have a pet then. Um, and the Holy Prophet emphasized um, about the right treatment quite often. And he taught us that it's very important that we treat them very well, that we shouldn't brand them or we shouldn't cut off uh, their legs or uh, uh, any other um, body parts or we shouldn't take out the organs, etc. Um, he said that this is very important that we, uh, we should look after Allah's creation because, as uh, Ali has said as well, they have feelings as well and we shouldn't forget that. Because God will, won't forget that. And in the day of judgment, he will ask us about that as well. So this is something the Holy Prophet he has emphasized a lot. And he told us that we should look after the animals. Even in the Holy Quran, um, there are animals mentioned. And there's one particular animal, the she-camel uh, of a prophet. Um, and the prophet, he used to ride on that she-camel, the prophet uh, Shweb. Um, he used to ride on the cheek camel and uh, he would basically convey the message of God to the people. And uh, um, he told his people as well that look after the cheek camel, give her water, give her food, etc. But don't harm that cheek camel. Now what happened is that um, these people unfortunately cut off the legs of the cheek camel and therefore the wrath of Allah they uh, came as well to these people. Only because of that cruel act, cruel act they have done. So you could see that even... If you look at the teaching of Islam, Islam has emphasized, has told us that we should for, uh, look after uh, the animals as well, especially uh, um, the, the rights for animals as well. Um, compassion and mercy, uh, you know, the listeners are central virtues in Islam. And they extend not only the humans, but Allah's creation which include animals plants etc as well now this means that we should show mercy and kindness to the animals as well and um, these are one fundamental qualities which you could see in the holy prophet peace be upon him but also on his in his companions the listeners so the holy prophet is it is reported also has said that all creatures are the children of god and the best among you is he who treats his creatures well. And Islamic teachings, the Elisa, suggest that acts of kindness towards animals yield to, uh, rewards and blessings. I just give you an example of that gentleman who gave away that water to that dog, even though he was very thirsty himself, but he thought that dog should have that water. And Allah has rewarded him with paradise. And uh, so you could see that... Um, Basically, you just go and go and go. And if you read the Islamic teachings about animal, about the right treatment of animal, you you see that it's very important that we should look after these little creatures. Um, we live with them. Um, they are part of our life as well. So um, the Holy Prophet has emphasized many, many times on that. And for a Muslim, it is important that if he has a pet, that he care for that pet as well. And uh, as he cares for himself and for his children as well, as this is a member of the household as well. 
Um, the listeners, um, we are coming very close to the hours. Um, we will go for the news break. And after the news break, uh, we will carry on um, with that segment, with black cats and the importance of treating animals right as well. And we will have then um, John Elish as well as a guest. And we will talk about Halloween as well. And about another character of Twilight Prophet, Peace Be Upon Him. And if you want to share one character, you can do so. You can call anytime or you can go on our socials. Um, I will be back after the news break. Do me a favor, stay tuned with Voice on Radio. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording. And lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. Welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio. The listeners, we were talking about black cats, about the Black Cats Awareness Month, and we had Ali from Cats Protection. Now, the listeners, I have told you my story that um, um, once we had a cat who would come regularly and we would give out milk to that cat as well, and suddenly I was thinking to adopt a cat as well or any other animal, but I hesitated. The reason is um, I was scared. I didn't know if I would look after that animal, of like after the cat, dog, fish, or pigeon. Uh, in the right manner so I hesitated um, and uh, I don't know uh, how, how how to improve now the link between uh, like the cat and me as the owner so dear listeners I think there should be someone who should guide us and uh, right now we have someone with us who can guide us to that her name is John Ehrlich um, who is a dedicated cat behaviorist with 10 years of expertise since 2010 and specialized in interpreting feeling behavior. Now, her strategy, dear listeners, combines tactics supported by research with empathy to assure the welfare of, of all parties. Now, Jen is here to help us establish a harmonious existence f uh, with uh, the cats. Now, prioritizing uh, that our ca uh, the cat's pleasure, whether we are dealing with behavior difficulties or we want to improve our connection with our cat. Um, Jen Elish. Good morning and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Good morning. Thank you for asking me. And just to correct one thing, um, I've had over forty years experience. Oh, forty years of experience. Oh, um, I apologize <laughs> okay. for that. Apologize for that. <laughs> Not at all. Um, John, actually, no, I'm, I appreciate you asking me. Thank you. No, um, I'm uh, very delighted to have you with me because, um, as I said, um, I was thinking to have a cat as well many, many years ago. This was <laughs> pre-COVID. Um, I hesitated. I'm still hesitating. Um, the reason is that um, I am uh, scared. I don't know if I would look after the cat in, a, in an appropriate manner. Um, what is the best advice you can give for people who are basically hesitating to adopt cats? Oh, heavens. First of all... Uh Actually, I owe you an enormous thank you, not only for having me on, but because you've given me the opportunity to learn from myself. It's been gratifying to understand the appreciation that Islam has for cats, and I'm hoping this will have an effect on anybody mm -hmm. you know, who's interested. Um, but I know that the Prophet Muhammad, um, he, I think it said that he had a very special fondness for cats. And there's something that I read that mentioned, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that his hadith says affection for cats is part of faith. Um, it is which like, I love. Yeah, uh, there is a saying like this, uh, especially about animals. Right. And I know that black cats are considered uh, in Islam guardians against evil, negative energy, and they're ritually clean. So learning so much about how they are a 
was was a real revelation for me. And I just wanted to pass that on. Thank you, because I would not have known otherwise. Uh, you're welcome for that. Thank um, you. But in terms of, oh, heavens, um, there are, I, I'm curious to know why you would be afraid. So the thing what, is, what are you afraid of? The thing is that um, I was thinking, what if happens that the, I'm like outside, I'm busy, and the cat has hunger, is hungry, and I'm I'm just forgot to give have food or milk or Some like suddenly she's just sitting on the couch, and I just sat on her. This, these are things that oh, suddenly I just step on her as well, maybe because she's lying from bed. Like these things, where I'm just scared that oh, I might harm her in a physical way, but also that um, um, keep away from food, even though like because I just forgot. Now these things just came out from my mind. Would I would I be like looking after her in a proper way? Like these things. Oh, I see. Um. Well, when it comes to feeding cats, and I must admit, I mean, a lot of people, obviously, they work. They're not home all the time. And so, you know, normally I would say we're trying to mimic how a cat, for example, would eat on the outside. And they eat small and, and frequently throughout the day. And I'll be there as a waiter <laughs> waiting mm -hmm. upon him. And, and this is where there's kind of a necessary evil of the automatic uh, feeder And where and, and they've come such a long way. They used to be just these cylindrical plastic things where you shoved, you know, dry food down and hope it came into the other end of the, of the bowl. But now, you know, they're very sophisticated. They come in little com timed compartments. You can set them up to open at certain times of the day. And there's even a little compartment in the middle of this gadget where you can put dry ice to keep fresh. And given that you really do want to feed cats um, wet food and not dry, mm -hmm. that, that's a myth. Um, it, it's the perfect thing for if you're not going to be home or if you're concerned you're going to miss a feeding or something like this. And, and you, you know, you, cats really respond to structure. In many ways, they're like people. So if you, let's, for example, say six in the morning, 10, uh, three in the afternoon, you know, dinner time, You know, you can either put the bowls down, which is incredibly bonding between you and the cat, or you have an automatic feeder. But just as you, you know, you would take care of a child, you know, you mm -hmm. would, you would take, you know, any, any living thing, I think you would be far more sensitive to the needs than you might think. I mean, there's certain things that cats need. For example, they need places to hide. They need, uh, obviously, to get regular meals. They need to get have a couple of litter, open litter boxes with unscented clumping clay in there, you know, that you scoop out every day. There's so much out there in terms of advice about what you give a cat um, to keep her healthy and strong, but particularly your love and and playing with the cat. And I think a lot of people, because they're afraid they won't be able to give their cat enough play, they will get two cats so that they can entertain mm. each other, learn from each other, you know. Um, so I think you might surprise yourself about how much you care for this thing. Yeah, maybe I will. Um, interesting. Um, uh, Jane, we, we are going through the Black Cats Awareness Month. And now there are those super, so many superstition stories about black cats. And it's the reason why they are treated um, sometimes in a not, not, not a good way. Um, oh, yeah. Isn't that insane? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yes, we live like in a modern age, but still people believe in those things. Um, what are some practical ways to support and promote the adoption of black cats during, especially during the month of October, where we have the Halloween season as well? Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I lived in, in London for about 24 years, but it's not until I moved there. And I had learned that shelters and rescues there would not even adopt out cats. Oh, for most of October, because they knew they would be, let's just say, at risk of being maltreated uh, or even sacrificed. And that was the first time I had learned such a thing. So, you know, I, I would be very conscious of that. And I would get, you know, if you're going to adopt a cat, I would do it in November. But uh, I get this, this, this bad luck thing, this, this, um, these, these myths, they're actually in Christianity. It started the medieval times. Mm-hmm. That the black cat's reputation really took a dive, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems it, my understanding is is that there's no such concept as bad luck in Islam. No, that Allah says, you know, in the Quran, what ill happens to us is because of our actions or our choices. Exactly. So all this all this nonsense started in early Christianity. And I think when people begin to recognize that, that, you know, you don't have this kind of thing in other religions, and that it started because I think, I, I think cats are very threatening to some people because they're harder to read. Mm-hmm. With a dog, you know, you know where you are. Dogs, and, and in, interestingly enough, you know, cats have far fewer facial muscles. So you have to take extra care to read their body language in terms of, you know, how they're feeling at the time. And I think with black cats, I remember there was one aunt who came into a shelter saying, you know, I can't tell her expressions. I can't tell her facial gestures as well as I can a tabby cat or a white cat or something like this. And I think the result of not being able to read them, that are much more independent, that people became quite threatened by that. And I think black as a color was always considered such a negative thing in early Christianity, and that really has hung on. It, it's incredible that it still exists to me. Um, I know, for example, I, you know, some really good advice that I was given by some client. I learned so much from my clients was that, you know, she has six black cats. She adores black cats. But she said, you know, I, I, I pepper the whole house with nightlights so that I can see them. I'm so afraid I'll step on them. You, you mm. had mentioned mm. that possibility. And she said, I also, you know, instead of having dark rugs, I swap light rugs. It's easier to see the black cats. <laughs> you know, and I never let, and I don't let them outside, and, and she shouldn't, because since black cats are harder to see at night, there are more accidents. Maybe there's there's less chance of, of human harm if if my black cats are not out in the evening. So this is sort of you know we have to take extra care of them. We're going to step them. They disappear you know in the night, and we can't really read them. And I think partly because of the last reason, people are a little threatened by cats in general. Mm, I believe so, um, John. Um Are there like uh, can you get for for our listeners? Can you tell us some good things? Like people have only these superstitions, but I believe like I just heard before from uh, another guest that there are also s- stories which say that if you have a black cat, it will bring good luck to you. Do you know any more of these good luck stories of about black oh, cats? Oh yeah, 
um, yes, I think, um, I think, for example, in some um, Judaism, I've seen that, that cats are good luck. I know that cats uh, are black cats, too. Uh, and again, mistaken. But they're actually allowed to walk in and out of a mosque mm. because they are considered, you know, that they are good animals, that they are ritual, that they're, they're ritually clean, uh, that they are um, treated with that they were treated with such affection by the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and they were, they're, you know, they're considered good luck. Again, it's, it's the black, it's a bad luck only in, in Christianity or early Christianity that, that took off. Um, but I know that, you know, there, there really isn't much difference between black cats or any other cats, except I noted that the National Institute of Health some years ago, and, you know, not enough study has been done on this, but they actually had said that the gene mutations that are responsible for a black coat on a cat may offer some protection against some diseases. Mm-hmm. which was really surprising to read, that you know, black cats are a little less likely to get, for example, there's a virus that can be absolutely deadly called feline immune deficiency, and black cats are less likely to get it. Well, I don't know how true this is, and there has to be more studies on it, but black cats apparently are, are a little bit healthier. Um, when I've read about black cats' personalities, they tend to be more affectionate or more loyal. I think that's absolutely nonsense. It depends on the cat himself, that's you know, a, a, as opposed to coloring. Uh, it's a myth that you know, black cats are this, calicos tend to be more that. Um, I think the idea is to get a cat with a personality more sympathetic to what you're looking for. You know, for example, um, do you want a cuddler, an affectionate cat? Do you want a cat who's more independent, um, a cat who's willing to you know, want to play all the time, or a cat who's saying, no, I'm going to lie back and let the world go by, you know? So you have a great deal of control over, uh, you know, the, the personality that you feel would be right for you, for your loved ones, for your home. Uh, when you go to a shelter, you take age on board. You know, if you want a, a teenager, what I call a catten, is halfway between a kitten and a cat, and they're full of, you know, all kinds of energy. You may or may not want that. Maybe you want an older, more quiet cat. But you've got this, this wonderful choice. It's like someone you choose to be in your life as a human being. Mm, true. Now, um, yeah. um, uh, Jen, you might know, uh, I, I don't know if you know that, but um, during the month of Ramadan, there was a video where an imam, Mm-hmm. was leading the prayer and suddenly a cat came and uh, jumped on his like like she, uh, she got on his shoulder and she was like sitting there and she felt very safe while mm-hmm. he was reciting like the, the prayer and um mm-hmm. i don't know if you have heard about uh, the one of the companions of the holy prophet peace be upon him who was very close to cats he, he, he named him abu Huraira, which means the father of cats his actual name was Abdul Rahman, <laughs> and he was also very close to the Prophet people upon him, and he would basically live in the mosque as well. So um, cats yes. have, like, uh, in this sense, a very close connection to Islam as well, yes. Yes, and I, I absolutely love that, that, you know, that Islam respects cats. Indeed. Um, mm. That, I, I, and, and you and, and answer this for me, it, it, I don't know if it was the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, or if it was one of his... Um, his followers, but there's a is it more that was supposed to be the pers- the personal name of a cat who was very loved, and I don't know if it was 
you know, again, it's one of those things where it's not mentioned in the Quran, but it's, it's sort of a, con- a, a preconception a conception that people have that the prophet had a cat uh, that was very dear to him called Muetza. Um, and if it wasn't him, it was, it was it somebody else who was just as holy, almost as holy in Islam. Uh, it could be like, um, I, I'm not sure about that, um, but it could be the, mm. one of the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Mm. But, okay. the, but the Prophet uh, himself, he emphasized a lot, especially about cats as well, about the treatment of uh, cats and animals as well. And he said one thing, that if someone treats the cat or an animal in a wrong way, he will be asked, he will be judged in the Day of Judgment. Yeah, and I love that because I don't know if there, and, and this is my ignorance, I don't know if there are other religions who say the same thing. Mm. Um, I haven't come across it. But the idea that you know affection for cats is part of faith is just a wonderful, wonderful uh, sentiment. So you know when you hear about all of these superstitions, it's got nothing to do with Islam, nothing to do with Judaism. As far as I know, it's got nothing to do with Buddhism. But you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a, a religion theologian, so I shouldn't speak but more on that. But it, it was just wonderful to read how revered they are. Uh, so when you, you know, you talk about, you know, being scared, it, it's like you, it, there, there are people who say this as, as themselves, if they haven't grown up with them, um, or they hear refutations, but not what they were taught. That makes sense. Yes, it makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, Jane, uh, thank you for joining us. Very l- lovely listening to you as well. Um, if you want to, like, um, you have a huge interest about human uh, animal rights in Islam as well, you, you can learn more about it. Uh, we have a website, alislam.org, um, where you yeah. can uh, type in uh, animal rights and you will find a lot of content about this as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. I've learned so much. And, and thank you, because if it weren't for you asking me on, I would have not have been able to, 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 I would not have learned all this. So thank you so much. No, no, I, I have to say thank you, because you taught us uh, many things as well today. And I wish you all the best for the future as well. Thank you for joining. And you all, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you so much. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye. So listen, this was John Ellish, uh, someone who can basically teach you or can give you good advices how uh to look after cats um the listeners um as i said uh, these superstitious um we have just mentioned uh, the guest has mentioned as well are wrong have nothing to do uh, and uh, just being back repetition towards black cats which shouldn't happen um the listeners i told you that um halloween is something we don't celebrate in islam because uh one thing uh, halloween tells us is that on the 1st of november doors will be open of, of the spirit world and the spirit will come to an, our world and uh, I remember uh, in the beginning uh, I've read that when Halloween started people would dress up uh, differently and would give them uh, sweets as well but this is based on falsehood and everything which is based on falsehood Islam is not promoting it but the Holy Prophet peace be upon him has taught us differently as well he said that the upper hand should be better than the lower hand which means that you should give more and instead of asking other people, the Holy Prophet was very generous. He would give, he would treat everyone, animals and people in a very good manner, in a very nice manner as well. And he would give a lot as well. And when he would have money, when he would have anything, he would give it away to other people. He had said himself that if he would have uh, money, in the, in, uh, th- uh, money, he would not sleep a night until he had, would have given that money to other people. So this is what Islam teaches us. Instead of asking 
which we do, which we seen uh, during the month of, uh, uh, during Halloween. Uh, instead of asking for sweet, we should be the one who who should give sweet. Uh, we should be the one who should uh, the provider. We should be the one who should be generous. So this is what we do. This is why we don't celebrate Halloween. But if someone wants to knock on my door. Um, he can do so uh, because I will follow the noble character of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. I will be the one who will give generously to to those uh, people who will turn up. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, this is what Islam basically is. The upper hand is better than the lower hand. Dear listeners, uh, we will now end the first segment and we will come to our second segment, which is Islam's contribution to the evolution of the field of astronomy. And dear listeners, we have three guests for that segment uh, it's going to be very interesting because we have uh, an astrophotographer as well we have uh, one member of the voice of islam radio as well and we have one half we have someone from the royal astronomical society so the listeners i'm going for a short break do me a favor stay tuned with the voice of, voice of islam radio and um, do me a favor um uh, if you want to learn more about voice, uh, about Islam, then go on www.alislam.org. Um, as I said, I'm going for a short break, and after the break, I'll be back. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم انظروا إلى من أسفل منكم ولا تنظروا إلى من هو فوقكم فهو أجدر أن لا تزدروا نعمة الله Hazrat Abu Huraira narrates that the Holy Prophet stated, Look upon those who stand at a lower level than you, but do not look upon those who stand at a higher level than you, for this would make the favours of Allah insignificant in your eyes. عن عمر بن شعيب رضي الله عنه عن أبيه عن جده قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله يحب أن يرى أثر نعمته على عبده It is narrated by Hazrat Amr bin Shuhayb from his father, from his grandfather who reported The Holy Prophet stated Indeed, Allah loves to see the results of his favours upon his servant You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Voice of Islam. You're listening to Breakfast Show. Allah has said, dear listeners, in the Holy Quran, and the heaven be built with our own power, and indeed we go on expanding it. This is about the Big Bang Theory, um, dear listeners, and this is what the se- uh, second segment is all about, about the evolution uh, of the field of astronomy, um, basically uh, Islam's contribution to the evolution of the field of astronomy, dear listeners. In this segment, uh, we will talk about um, the importance of astronomy in relation to everyday, li- everyday life and uh, how Islamic scholarship had an impact on modern astronomy. Um, so the listeners, if you now if you want to learn um, uh, more about uh, 
astronomy more about what Islam, what an impact Islam had, then this segment is the best segment or the best thing you can do listening on. So stay tuned with Voice of, Voice of Islam Radio. Um, 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 the field of uh, in the past, astronomy has been used to measure time, or mark the seasons, and navigate the vast oceans. Now, according to the European Space Agency (ECA), the ancient Assyrians and Babylonians systematically observed and recorded the per- periodic movements of the heavenly bodies around 1000 BC, which is according to the University of uh, Aragon, and. Uh, before I carry on the list, of course, I have so many things I actually want to ma- say, but I was just told that we have our first guest now, uh, for this segment online, which is Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, who did his PhD in biochemistry and has worked with uh, f- uh, pharma- uh, pharmaceutical management for some of the biggest companies. And entertainment, the listener, he is also a producer uh, of host of uh, on the end and the host of the Living History series of. Voice of Islam radio. So, if you want to listen more uh, about that, uh, about his um, show, you can do so as well on SoundCloud, where our previous show are downloaded. And uh, uh, if you want to learn more about Islam, this is the best way to do so as well. Um, Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, uh, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Assalamualaikum. Good morning to you as well. Um, Dr. Muhammad. Um, how has the advancement of technologies such as the invention of the telescope and space-based observation transformed our understanding of the universe? Well, tremendously, uh, really. Um, nowadays, with uh, television, media, etc., you see so much about uh, the universe mm. Uh, around us, but uh, all of this came through these technological uh, developments. Early on, of course, as you mentioned, uh, we looked to the heavens and, you know, we basically just saw glimmering stars and many of the ancients charted, uh, navigated and uh, labeled those stars, etc. But it was the invention of the telescope um, that made the biggest difference and um, uh, obviously, the optics associated with that were developed by the Muslims. You know, Ibn Hafim and many others uh, had uh, sort of developed the uh, early stages of how optics work, uh, lenses work, etc. But it was in the Netherlands that the first telescope was made in 1608. Um, and then, of course, Galileo went on to modify some of these telescopes in the 17th century. Uh, and made some of the most amazing discoveries um, and, you know, started uh, really telling us a lot more about the, the moon uh, and Jupiter and its moons and so, some of the planets within the solar system. Of course, associated with that was the whole um, new concept that uh, the Earth was not the center of the universe, <laughs> Uh, Copernicus, in fact, may, you know, um, made that statement in 1543, and Galileo supported it. And you recall, uh, religiously, the Roman Catholic uh, Church had always supported the fact that the Earth was at the center of mm. the universe, and everything else was around. And poor Galileo had to pay a heavy price uh, for that. Uh, but it was Copernicus who put the theory through, and the telescope actually helped provide the evidence and proof, etc. 
And um, with the use of the telescope, as I said, we learned a lot about the solar system. And um, then, of course, you know, the various observatories were set up in both uh, France and uh, uh, Britain. And um, uh, the first, in fact, the use of the photograph uh, was in the 1840s because you could see with the telescopes, but you weren't able to show many other people. And so um, the use of the photo was in 1840. And then added to that was discovery of spectroscopy, which really allowed you to split matter up into different wavelengths of uh, light. And uh, so you could see a lot further using spectroscopy and analysis. And then, of course, we get into the 20th century and um, um, we had so much more with um, uh, the, the space race and observatories in the uh, satellites and observatories in space as well. And now, of course, when you look uh, on the internet or on the TV, etc., and you see the photos of uh, the James Webb Telescope, which is probably the biggest telescope uh, out, uh, out there, and it's giving us an amazing insight into our universe. So really, you know, using this technology, we went from looking at the moon to a little bit of the sun, a little of the solar system, and uh, e even in relation to... Um, the galaxies, you know, up to the 20th century, we could only view the Milky Way, which is our mm -hmm. galaxy that we live in. Our, so going, this is going beyond the solar system now, and there are billions and billions and billions of stars in our Milky Way. But it wasn't until the 1920s that we discovered, oh, there's another galaxy called the Andromeda uh, galaxy. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, of course, we know there are billions and billions and billions of galaxies, which have billions and billions and billions of stars. And, you know, there'll be billions of planets and all sorts of things. So it's been an absolutely amazing journey uh, for mankind, really. And technology has helped us a lot uh, to understand our universe and um, our solar system. Uh, and even about the moon, which is our satellite uh, to planet Earth. Well, it's very interesting. Um, the journey sounds very interesting. Um, oh, absolutely. It's amazing. And uh, you have mentioned Galileo as well. You uh, you have mentioned the, the, the Roman Church as well, um, and you pay uh, the two, um, we know the punishment, or not the punishment, but we know uh, how they treated Galileo. But in Islam, it is different. We have seen scholars who have contributed to astronomy, um, and how much big impact did they have, especially in the modern astronomy? These people, these Islamic scholars. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Islamic uh, scholars uh, uh, from the earliest times went on to build on the work of um, uh, uh, Aristotle and other Greek uh, thinkers and, you know, uh, previous ancient thinkers from other civilizations as well. Uh, and they charted the uh, heavens uh, in a lot more detail. And many of the stars and galaxies and even craters on the moon are named after prominent Muslims. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of the greatest contributions to science was made by um, Ulug Beg, uh, you know, in Samarkand and Bukhara and mm -hmm. that sort of area where uh, uh, he, he built the great observatory of the time. And the Muslims... Uh, excelled in charting the uh, the, the heavens um, using the um, the quadrant and the sextant, which they really had improved massively from ancient times. 
And, uh, you know, this is well known now, and their contribution was absolutely amazing. Um, so, yeah, the Muslims made a great contribution to uh, astronomy. And, and then, of course, you know, during the Renaissance and Enlightenment, the European scholars built on that, and then modern technology, mm. you know, really gave us a, a, the detailed picture which I've described. No, true. But, Dr. Muhammad, now, I just want to know that why did our Islamic scholars, why did they choose this field? Where, from where did they get the information? Of? Because people always say that Islam is a religion which was basically invented in the desert. And how, like, how did they come to know about the universe? Well, because the Holy Quran actually had commanded them to uh, study the heavens and the earth and nature and everything in terms of how God had created everything uh, for the benefit of uh, uh, mankind uh, as well. So whilst the Holy Quran provides many laws and directions in uh, how to behave, uh, you know, in terms of the individual, the family within a nation as well. Uh, there are great many verses. Uh, um, in fact, I, as I recall, one of our scientists mm. uh, had mentioned that 720 different verses in relation to study of nature, okay. cosmology, etc., compared to social uh, sort of development uh, related verses, etc. So, yeah, how many verses were there? Verses. Sorry, how many so verses? So 750 or 750. so in addition to, yeah, compared wow. to 250. So you can see the overall balance, you know, because God Almighty had said that, you know, what is harder to create, the, the universe or, you know, just the similar. And when you, when you consider the marvel of the universe, it's absolutely amazing. So God Almighty had said that, you know, this universe has been created for a purpose. And your development in terms of your religious and spiritual responsibility is for a purpose. And because the universe was evolved over many, many periods and eons, then the spiritual development of mankind from a simple animal being to a highly spiritual being is going to be evolved. So Allah says that understand why you need to develop and how you need to develop by observing the universe around you. And it's an absolutely amazing, uh, really, uh, guidance for mankind. So you say that the Holy Quran is not just a book where it tells us the teachings of Islam, but basically also teaches us about astronomy then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the differences, in fact, uh, which led me more strongly towards my belief and commitment towards Islam. I was a scientist in my young days. And most of my school teachers and university lecturers were really atheists who didn't really believe in religion. And the problem is because in Genesis and the biblical, uh, in the Bible, there are so many contradictions in terms of science and what, uh, uh, you know, uh, factual scientists told us. And so it was hard for people to actually believe that. But when you actually study the Holy Quran, mm. there is nothing in there that is everything from, you know, uh, the the Big Bang, the expansion of the universe, the, the moon, how it's actually a satellite, how light is reflected from mm -hmm. the moon, uh, the creation of a variety of different Earths that will exist there as well. Uh, and how life came to be uh, created, even the periods of uh, the universe coming into being. You know, unfortunately, the, 
the Genesis account is very different, but the Holy Quran, you know, shows how step by step by step over six periods uh, the whole universe was uh, evolved. And our son, of course, is a fifth generation star. So you can imagine, you know, yeah. after the Big Bang, there'll have been early generation stars, mm -hmm. first, second, third, fourth, and the fifth. And you needed a fifth generation star to have all the elements of the periodic table for life to exist in the form that we have and the materials that we use for all our needs as well. So Allah Ta'ala has planned everything for uh, every being in the universe and certainly for us human beings. Uh, you know, everything has been in a, a pre-planned manner. Wow, wow, amazing. Now this is what people mostly don't know about Islam and Quran then. And uh, this is so amazing listening to you. Um, just one quick question. If someone really wants to study about um, the verses which Quran uh, told, about, uh, told us about the universe, is there any particular book like uh, written about these verses where we, uh, or any, like, any references you can give to the people um, I mean, there are a number of books now from a variety of authors. I, I did, when I was doing my PhD, did my own research, so I've got my own uh, material. But one of the books that to proved to be uh, really interesting was by Professor Maurice Bukhale, um, you know, the, uh, the Bible, Quran, and Science. That was a, a really good book. Of course, there are books uh, within the Amdia community, and now we've got the YouTube channels, etc., uh, I mean, there are scientific books as well. Uh, uh, Bishop Hugh Montefiore, The Probability of uh, uh, God, also sort of looks at the, the battle between religion and science, but largely from a Christian point of view. Um, Muslim scholar books are relatively few uh, at the moment. There are, you know, smaller uh, books as well. But Maurice Bukhale's book is probably one of the best ones, and there are others, and uh, I no doubt there'll be um, the authors uh, will be writing uh, uh, books as well in time. No doubt. Are you thinking of writing a book? I've written on this matter and much else. A prayer for me. I've... Uh, Obviously, the voice, uh, the Living History program covers a lot of my work that I've already okay. written. It includes about concepts about the beginnings, the universe, all the debates and discussions. Uh, so, yeah, it covers everything from astronomy to development of language to development of civilizations. So it's a, it's a bit of everything. But uh, print, yeah, I've got material about 450 pages on it. Life is busy at the moment, so <laughs> one day. No, no, dear listeners, you have no opportunity. Living History Series, listening to that on Voice of Islam Radio, where you can learn more about uh, from Dr. Muhammad. Uh, this was really, truly amazing listening to you as well. Um, and, and I wish you all the best, seriously, for the future and for, for your show as well. May Allah bless you for that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Nice talking to nice. you as well. Same. So, so do you listen, um, we just listened to Dr. Muhammad and he explained that Quran basically is speaking about the, the astronomy, about the expansion of universe, uh, about how we have been created, about the Milky Way, how everything is running. And the strange thing is, this book has been written 1,400 years ago in the desert by someone the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, who has never been in a school. And even then, it was too difficult to know all about this, about the Big Bang, about expanding of the universe, and about uh, the stars. 
this is so amazing and uh, as he said uh, doctors mohammed he said that we, we have like nearly 20 more than 20 years ago we have found out that there are more universes and in, in these universes there are billions of stars etc quran has spoken about this 1400 years ago already so this is a sign that someone told this to the holy prophet peace be upon him and we believe that someone was god the almighty uh the listeners we will carry on now with our next guest which is dr cian prosser who managed the library and archives of the royal Astron astronomical society making them accessible to researchers and working with colleagues to use them in outreach and education activities with a background in language and a phd in french medieval manuscripts she became drawn to working with libraries and archives and since joining the royal astronomical society in 2014 has completed the certificate in astronomy at ucl to better understand and interpret the rs collection and the people that created them dr cian good morning and welcome to the breakfast show thank you so much for inviting me now i'm very delighted to have you with me um doctor um what are the most significant recent discoveries or advancements in the fields of astronomy well um you, th thank you for introducing me i'm i'm going to um reiterate that i'm not an astronomer per se okay. but i do manage the library and the archives So that means I have a perspective on discoveries, uh, not just in the present day, mm -hmm. in, in terms of the, the books and articles that are coming into the library, but also going back decades, actually hundreds of years. But so, given that perspective as well, wow, and, and, and another perspective is mm -hmm. the Royal Astronomical Society is an organisation of about 4,000 astronomers wow. um, around the world. And they have monthly meetings. Um, in fact, there'll be a meeting this Friday, and, and and you get the you know the astro chat, the buzz about what the, the sort of cutting edge um, discoveries are. So, uh, one of the major advancements in, in recent years, which I'm sure many of your mm -hmm. listeners have heard of, is the JWST telescope, James Webb Space Telescope, which after you know many many years of development was finally launched into space it's a space telescope um on christmas day i believe it was 2022 or 2021 and it has been deployed um unfolded at a certain point in the solar system orbiting the earth and it is now using the infrared part of the electromagnetic spectrum to see deeper into space not just our own solar system not just our own galaxy but beyond our galaxy the milky way looking at galaxies beyond ours in more detail than ever before and talking about infrared is a very important aspect of that um many of your listeners might have access to you know binoculars they might even have their own telescope which they can use to to look at the sky um you know you look at the stars at night not the sun during the day you never ever look at the sun mm. um with the naked eye or use a subtext and you're using the um the optical um electromagnetic spectrum there but you know light comes in many different forms as well as you know the the optical band which is you know all the, the colors of the rainbow that we see there are unseen colors like infrared stars emanate 
infrared light or radiation and the detectors in the infrared telescope are able to pick up on these light signals and give us incredible detail of, of the galaxies that, that are out there. Uh, and so the Hubble Space Telescope, which went out just over 30 years ago, um, is also still taking amazing photographs and astronomers are, are booking time to, to, to look at you know the deep space um, galactic background all the time. But infra the, the infrared views of the James Webb Space Telescope are so breathtaking, it is exceeding all expectations. And there is so much data being, you know, created and downloaded to produce um, decades of work for astronomers and astrophysicists to work on to understand not just the universe as it is now, but its past and its future. Where, where is it going? Hmm. Interesting. And uh, um, Doctor, um, what are the key projects or mission currently underway in astronomy? Well, as well as the James Webb Space Telescope, mm. um, there is the LIGO project, and that is a series of detectors um, that have been set up in a couple of places in the world that are so sensitive that they can detect clashes and collisions between black holes elsewhere in the universe. So that is a project that you know went online in about 2015, 2016, <clears throat> and you know billions of pounds were spent on developing these sensitive detectors on Earth. They're basically L-shaped. Um, tubes that are, you know, several meters, maybe kilometers long, in in two, at least two sites um, on Earth, and all this money was um, spent on on the hope that it would be possible to detect what are called gravitational waves, the, the shock waves of these collisions. It was a theory. They set up the instrumentation. And, and it really paid off. It was, I remember the day when they announced the results in the Royal Astronomical Society, when they were actually able to detect a gravitational wave. Amazing. Um, Dr. Sian, uh, thank you for joining. Um, it was really interesting listening to you, and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting thank me. You. Goodbye. Goodbye. Dear listeners, uh, you just listened to Dr. Sian Prosser, a uh, member of the Royal Astronomical Society, and now we will come to a member of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hamza Alias, who is an astro uh, astrophotographer, formerly from New York, now living here in the UK. Hamza Alias, uh, good morning. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu, and welcome to the breakfast show. Wa alaikum salam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Good morning and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No, I actually appreciate it as well because, you know, I have a very special question for you. Uh, you might now remove all the uh, big misconception we have. Um, you are also a photographer, right? So yes. have you ever seen a person up in the sky in the universe uh, wearing maybe a white garment, uh, kind of reddish hair, reddish face, and is approximately 2052 years old? And uh, is from mainly from Palestine, and goes with the name Yesu, Isa, Jesus. Have you ever seen him out there while taking a photo? No, no, no. Sadly, I've never seen <laughs> such a thing. And I've I pointed my telescope in all various directions <laughs> in the night sky, and 
And, you know, the other the other practical issue that comes out of it is that um, you're able to resolve things if they're really, really close, mm -hmm. particularly if they're a few miles wide. Now, let that sink in. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, if I pointed one of my more powerful telescopes, so we're talking about, you know, a nine and a quarter inch uh, telescope, this is how big the opening is. And its focal length is about 2,350 millimeters, okay. right? So that's mm -hmm. really, really, really zoomed in. And yet, if I pointed it at something relatively close, like the moon, it can still only resolve something that is, A, reflecting light. So maybe we'll put this person in a bright white outfit, right? Mm. <laughs> um, but B, if they're a few miles wide, right? Yeah. So if you let that sink in, you know, you you won't be able to see a human being regardless of how many miles away, you know, maybe they're 5,000 miles, 10 mm. miles, uh, 10,000 miles away. You won't be able to see them because they're simply too small. So if we somehow got past the fact that this person was in space, if they did uh, sit there in space, no one would see them even with powerful telescopes. And if they begin to descend down into their atmosphere, even still no one would see them because you can barely see a, bir a bird a mile up uh, because of how small it is. So, uh, yeah, just some food for thought there. All right, okay. Well, anyway, uh, thank you for that. Um, the, um, uh, how does like public interest and engagement with astronomy impact the field's evolution and funding for space exploration and research? It's public interest. Okay. As long as the public is is interested in any of mm. um, the government projects, then the scientists will find it easier to find funding because of that public interest. And this is probably one of the reasons why in the past few years you've seen an increase in um, different um, uh, natural, naturally occurring space uh, phenomena. So, for example, <clears throat> the different color moons that you hear is like this month's pink moon of spring. Watch the biggest super moon in uh, winter. So when you hear these things, these are naturally uh, occurring things that happen quite often. You see that a lot with different comets mm -hmm. that have been passing by. We've seen so many articles and you see it appearing all over social media. So these are um, well-intentioned attempts by government-funded uh, government bodies uh, working together with some of the um, manufacturers in the business to try to generate public interest and raise public awareness and education about these things because then the natural consequence of that will be that the public will be a lot more favorable towards an increase in spending towards these space explorations. Understand. And Hamza, um, Islam speaks about astronomy as well. There are many, many verses about that. Um, did that help you in your study as well, these verses? Uh, I'm sorry. So when I study these verses, you, this is where you find some of the biggest misconceptions mm -hmm. um, erased, and particularly when it comes to the Holy Quran. 
And the reason for that is that when people think of religion, they often think that there's a massive divide between religion mm. and science. And for people, particularly um, for Muslims, we often become excited when we review these um, verses in our religious book, the Holy Quran, because the Quran goes into, in some places, quite a bit of detail in uh, explaining scientific or mentioning scientific phenomena. So I quite love reading the Quranic verses and trying to apply that in the science. So, for example, there is a verse which talks about um, God turning to the heavens whilst they were something like smoke, mm-hmm. and said, Come ye both willingly or unwillingly. And the heavens and the earth replied, We come willingly. And out of that dust he fashioned stars and planets, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this may seem to be one of those verses of the Quran where someone who comes across it looks at it and says, I have no idea what's going on here. And they go and continue to the verses that talk about don't lie, don't steal. But when you're studying astronomy and you come across these verses, these are fascinating verses. These are really extraordinary verses. Because we've only discovered within the past 100 years or so that stars uh, are formed out of dust. And the leftover um, dust and debris that is too close to that star then later forms its planetary systems. And this is how the Earth was formed. So when you you know study these verses of the Holy Quran um, together paired with your study of the night sky and these scientific phenomena um, that are naturally occurring and are frequent subjects in science, you find that there's not a divide at all. They're absolutely one. Interesting. Now, Hamza Elias, um, thank you. I was really interested listening to you. The only thing is we have not not so much time left. But one thing I've learned now is that Islam is basically promoting science as well and it's saying that Islam can go and walk with science as well as we have seen the opposite in the other religion. This is what I found out from uh, your last uh, answer. And um, just one thing, um, those photographs you have taken about the universe, is there a possibility to see them as well? Say that again, sorry. If there's any possibility to see the photography you have taken about the universe, if you have any social media accounts or anything. Oh, yes. I mean, you can see some of the, you know, the humble pictures that I've taken uh, on Instagram at the handle Muslim Astronomer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I normally try to update that as frequently as possible. We've just done a, um, a collaboration with the European Space Agency where we take the viewers around my home observatory and talk them through some of the pieces of equipment that I use. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, you'll see all of the various pictures of, you know, planets and the sun, high-resolution pictures of the surface of the sun, nebula, galaxies, galaxy clusters, star clusters. Um, there's quite a few topics, and I try to keep them wide-ranging. So that's Muslim Astronomer. On Instagram. Most, most strong, interesting. Hamza uh, um interesting again. Thank you for joining uh, the Breakfast Show. I wish you all the best for the future, and hopefully we have we can have you one like, once again in the Breakfast Show. Thank you so much for having me. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Waalaikumsalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Listeners, uh, you just listened to Hamza Elias. 
a member of the Ahmadi Muslim community, uh, astrophotographer. Um, interesting, uh, the point he has raised or said that Islam goes hands in hand with science as well. And basically, the Quran, uh, Quran is telling us, teaching us about these things as well. And he has mentioned a few verses as well, which was very interesting to listening to uh, as well. Um, dear listeners, um, we have reached the end of the show. Um, I hope you have enjoyed the show um i did um and thank you uh to listening to the show as well thank you for the producers um dr fatma and um uh hania sajid and also a big thank uh, goes out to our researchers halima ahmed uh salia ahmed uh sobi ahmed waki khan kashfa amtul sabajas sabia tayyiba malah uh, Sarish as well. Thank you for um, contributing to this show as as well, and of course to our guests as well. Uh, thank you for joining in. Thank you for you um, thought sharing with us because it was quite interesting listening to you guys as well. Um, I wish you all the best for the future. Um, and of course to our listeners, thank you for joining in. If you like the show, you can listen to the show again on SoundCloud. Or if you want to learn more about Islam, then just. Stay tuned with Voice on Radio or turn in tomorrow at the same time. And if you want to um, learn more about the Ahmadi Muslim community, uh, just type in www.alislam.org uh, where you can find many, many um, references and many, many content about the Ahmadi Muslim community. Dear listeners, do me a favor, stay safe, have a pleasant weekend ahead and I wish you a pleasant day as well.